Welcome, and thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Psychor Water Cooler, the casual conversation podcast dedicated to covering all things related to Psychor, including product updates, full site builds, suggestions and insights, getting the most out of your Psychor investment, and more. I'm your host, John Price, Psychor Practice Director and MVP at AmericanEagle.com. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to mention that the Psychor Water Cooler podcast is dedicated to the insights of the Psychor platform. Right now, we are embarking on and witnessing the largest changes Psychor has ever gone through. Through competition in the marketplace and with the acceleration of a digital world with the events of the past one and a half years, Psychor has started purchasing SaaS products to help enhance its product offering. Content Hub, Moosend, 451, and BoxEver are likely just the beginning. These offerings should help accelerate Psychor's move to a cloud-first and SaaS-based product. However, I think the one question on everyone's mind is, will Psychor continue to go the way of setting themselves up as and to remain as an extremely flexible and scalable framework? I am very excited for today's episode specifically as I am joined at the water cooler today by Brian Plant from Psychor. I've had the pleasure of working with Brian during his tenure at Psychor for the past few years. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jonathan. appreciate you inviting me to be here. Absolutely. I know we've been working together for a few years at this point, but Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure, Jonathan. So I have been in technology sales, solution sales for over 20 years, helping organizations realize the business outcomes that they desire by leveraging oftentimes disruptive innovation to drive digital transformation. So I started in the broadcast realm where I helped organizations like broadcasters and advertising agencies move from tape-based workflows to digital workflows. That led into the need for more storage as my customers had stacks of hard drives and knew not where to find their content. That led to digital asset management um, and then into the uh, MarTech world when I went to Salesforce and spent three years in the marketing cloud practice for enterprise accounts. That led to the Sitecore experience, uh, no pun intended. About two years ago, I saw what they were doing, thought it was exciting, and decided to make a move. Awesome. You've definitely been through quite a few, I'll say, digital transformations of your own through the years. I mean, 20 plus years ago, people started talking about the cloud. 10 years ago, people started talking about personalization. And I definitely think the last one and a half years are going to be accelerating this kind of next change, which we're going to be talking a lot about today. But, you know, Brian, you know, the listeners of the vast majority of the listeners today should already be familiar with Sitecore. And, you know, but for this audience, in your own words, you know, what is Sitecore and what is the product value proposition? Thanks, Jonathan. So Sitecore is a CMS, right? That's the phrase that we've used for years to describe the technology content management system. But as everybody who's probably listening to this knows, there's been a lot of change in what a CMS means to people and what it constitutes. And in fact, Gartner stopped doing a CMS Magic Quadrant about two years ago and moved just to the DXP. So we consider ourselves a digital experience platform, and we are working from 20 years worth of experience helping organizations get their arms around their content. How do they uh, store it? How do they manage it? How do they present it? Originally, it was just about the website and a computer. And as you well know, over time, the amount of channels that we can push content to has expanded exponentially. Sitecore is global. We are proven and we are trusted. We have a large ecosystem, which includes amazing partners like American Eagle that help us get the message out, help us get organizations to understand what the benefit is of adopting our technology. Yeah, and my experience with Sitecore only dates back about eight, nine years at this point. But I mean, as you mentioned, Sitecore has been around for about 20 years. I think 10 plus years ago, I was really thought about being the leader in that CMS space you're describing, sharing content, not just amongst the website, but 
an ecosystem of websites. I think that was one of the main aspects and selling points of Sitecore. We'll just say four, five, six years ago, really started getting into things like you know, implicit, explicit personalization where the industry was going. But now you guys are really going into this other webosphere of kind of big data, B2B commerce and marketing automation, which is kind of leading me to our real first topic of today. I'm sure everyone's been seeing in the news that's familiar with the DXP space that Sitecore has made a flourish of purchases over the last couple months. And honestly, I'm expecting that to continue down this journey. How do you see these as differentiators for Sitecore and what it means to the platform? I thought maybe I'd sort of level set and go back and talk about what we have been messaging to the marketplace and what has been working for us. And that has been the idea that unlike most of our major competitors, you know, we are a uh, magic quadrant leader and have been for many, many years. We have grown some of these capabilities that you've been talking about organically. So personalization, we wrote our own personalization engine. AB and multivariant testing, we wrote our own AB and multivariant testing module. Marketing automation, we created our own. Our competition started about 10 years ago by doing what I like to call the Pac-Man method, where they went along and they ate up companies that gave them that capability. And oftentimes they were eating up some of the best in class at that time with that functionality. So we differentiate ourselves by saying, listen, you buy our package and you're going to get these capabilities out of the box. What does that mean? It means more simplicity, less complexity. If I'm going to be integrating the system, just standing it up on its own, that's one thing. But now I'm tying it into other systems. We're an API-first platform. And for over 15 years, we've been helping organizations achieve those outcomes that they desired. So what's changed is the world around us. What we're seeing is that those folks that went ahead and did the Pac-Man method are now sitting with a lot of technical debt. The technology that they purchased is long in the tooth, was never designed to be in the cloud. You have literally uh, root code that is totally incompatible and you're trying to find ways to bolt it together. So it's that Frankenstack, as we jokingly say, that has uh, emerged. And really that equates to being what I, you know, we commonly refer to as that monolithic MarTech stack or that monolithic digital experience platform play. So Sitecore as an organization saw when, you know, we were headed down one path and I wasn't quite sure what that was, but then the pandemic hit and the total addressable market for things like commerce and things like digital experience platforms went from being a goal line of 2023 to being more like 2025. The pandemic has accelerated things in a way that no one could have ever imagined. It changed behaviors in ways that were unthinkable, or maybe they were thinkable, it was just going to take time. Sitecore and the owners of the organization made a bold decision to bring on a new leadership team to drive a huge investment in the organization. Some of you may have seen the idea that we we're able to invest $1.2 billion into Sitecore at the beginning of this year. And we've used that money to do three things. First is to expand our footprint. So we're opening offices all over the world. To be clear, the sun never set on Sitecore, but now we're going to have offices all around the world. Secondly, we're adding headcount. Just saw an email today that um, by the 1st of July today, we will have gone from 1,200 employees to 2,000 employees in six months which is a no small feat. I don't know if any of you have ever dealt with onboarding people, but onboarding 600 people is huge. Big part of that, customer success. Uh, we are really driving customer success. We had a legacy of 
creating beautiful technology and then using our partners to help us sell the technology, but then the partner was responsible for it the rest of the way. Uh, we acquired a company called Hedgehog about five years ago, which gave us some professional services in-house, not in a way that would compete with our partners, but in a way that would complement and augment when needed be, right? So as we look at this transformation, it is about the idea of moving from monolithic to what we're calling, and it's not we're calling, it's, it's kind of an industry standard thing now, um, and that is composable digital experience platforms. So we have made four acquisitions if we go all the way out. So it really started in 2017 with our acquisition of Style Labs. Style Labs was a next generation SaaS-based digital asset management platform, but really it was more than that. It was a collaboration platform. It wasn't just DAM. It was DAM along with marketing resource management, around with content marketing platform that gave us the ability to now say, okay, here, we have a media library and our media library inside of our experience platform today is kind of like a damn light, but now here's a real enterprise class digital asset management system that is integrated directly into our experience platform, giving the customers so much more power to control those assets, to create a single point of truth for everything that they had in their organization to give them the ability to mitigate risk because it has digital rights management tied into it. Being able to find your content in a, an intelligent way, be able to reduce risk, and it goes beyond sort of a folder structure into what we call a domain model where we can create relationships between the content. So if you're a bank and you've got a paragraph of information about a loan or maybe a, an insurance product and the feds change that language, you can push one button and it can propagate across every asset that includes that language. The lift on that normally would be pretty immense. Giving organizations the ability to automate that way was a huge win. So we started driving our idea of seeing that SaaS was going to be important to us when we purchased Stylabs. Then we had the big, then we jump ahead to 2020, 2021. We have the big investment. And over the last six months, five months, we've acquired three companies. We acquired BoxEver, which is a CDP company. We acquired 451 and their order cloud. That is a mock-based B2B commerce play. And when I say mock, I mean microservices, I mean API first, I mean cloud native, and I mean headless. And headless is obviously a big play, and, and that is a big part of, it's sort of a subcontext to uh, what we're doing. And then the last acquisition was Moosend, a marketing automation tool, also SaaS-based. made some really interesting observations here. And I think the one thing I want to hit on real quick is the Frankenstack you mentioned, right? So I won't name the companies that have done this, but basically going out, purchasing, I'll use air quotes of the leaders in the space, completely different programming languages, and then shoehorning them together in what we used to call an integrated way. And now what they have done is they're all pigeon-held to each other and have a lot of technical debt, as you mentioned. It's interesting hearing as you speak here. So Sitecore strategically going out, purchasing things strategically, and then they're basically, I'll say loosely decoupled, but then can be tied together with the, I'll say these microservices and this API first approach. So definitely, I'd say you guys are one of the only ones that have done this at this point and not kind of in that pigeon held state. But if we were going to quickly summarize what Sitecore has done, beyond the differentiator, what competitive advantages do you believe Sitecore has at this point with this new tech stack direction? Well, first of all, you know, we're really just starting to get a feel for it here. We just finished our fiscal 21 yesterday, and I'm uh, proud to report that it was a very, very good year for the organization on so many fronts. 
but on the sales front, on the idea that we won some very, very big named customers who chose us over some of the more obvious providers. You know, there are those companies that, quote unquote, you can't get fired if you buy X. And we were able to beat them, you know, on the ground, showing the organizations why we were a better solution. And that was with our existing technology stack. When you look at the future, you look at, and organizations are going to be changing the way that they look at how they acquire technology and what outcomes they expect from technology. So when I talked a little bit about that mock-based product that we have from 451 called Order Cloud, that is all about the idea that you don't have to worry about the back end, first of all. So we're going to take care of that. It's truly SaaS. But then on the front end, you have the flexibility to present that content in any way you desire, using any language you desire for any use case you desire. It is unbelievably powerful. You know, I talked earlier about how we have today in the XP platform, these native capabilities. And I mentioned personalization and A-B testing. The reality is that BoxEver is a CDP. And I'm sure many of you in the audience are familiar with content data platforms. It's the larger idea of having a system of record to tie together all of the touch points that I've had with a customer across any channel and sewing that back together again to create a truly 360-degree view. And I know that that's kind of an overused phrase, the 360 view, but CDPs are essential to that. And what I see is a future where we're going to be able to decouple these capabilities from the platform. And this is the idea of composable digital experience platform. So today, I have very powerful personalization, that which you, Jonathan, have personally installed and seen work for organizations and drive KPIs to uh, that are very important to them, right? The experience is everything. The expectation around the experience grows every day. Generationally speaking, 25% of the U.S. population is going to retire in the next five years, or I should say of retirement age, or they're going to retire. The people that will replace them will have a totally different expectation as to what channel they want to communicate with you on. And you as an organization better be ready for it. You're used to, as a manufacturer, maybe having a big catalog that sits in the shop and people with greasy fingers go through it and find the part they want and then they pick up the phone and they call you. Yes, that was the way it was done for a long time. Yes, it feels like that that is a solid business plan, but it's not. You need to have a solid strategy for how you're going to handle this generational change in the way that your customer wants to interact with your brand couple of things I want to highlight there, Brian. Great points. I think, though, one of the biggest, I'll just be blatantly honest here, one of the biggest downsides of Sitecore in the past is having a front-end framework being too coupled to the back-end framework. And with the SaaS-based headless solution where you have an agnostic front-end solution, it gives you guys a lot of agility where if an organization uses a front-end framework such as React today, and five years from now, React is on its way out and there's something new, that organization doesn't have to completely do an upgrade, doesn't have to re-platform. They have all their back-end structure in place, and now all they're doing is ripping and replacing the front-end aspects. I think that's huge. It really is a huge advantage over your competitors. It makes you agile, and it also is going the way of these other platforms like Contentful, Jamstack, that don't have the back-end platform. You have the front-end agility to compete against them, which is fantastic. With the CDP, you know, let's take a step back here. What we're looking at doing, to your point, is really defining the back end and the front end, defining what the developers and the architects are going to be responsible for. And once again, once we get into a SaaS, you know, how much is architecture going to be a part of it, but, you know, not uh, discounting that, but really knowing where the developers are and giving them ultimate freedom to, uh, you know, sing in the language they desire, right? To create those beautiful experiences that we can drive 
the outcomes and uh, move the KPIs that our customers really want to see moved. So when we, as I was saying earlier, we've got personalization and A-B testing, but our CDP, BoxEver, has much more powerful versions of that. So what do I see? I see a decoupling where we're going to start to offer products. And this is, by the way, complete conjecture on my part. Let me just uh, you know, say that upfront. We as an organization are going to be rolling out all of this go-to-market and next-generation messaging in the next two weeks. What you're hearing from me is my opinion. I think it's relatively solid in it directionally, but as far as specifics, I don't have any, just to be clear there. But the idea that we're going to be able to offer a stack that can be agile that can fit exactly what you needed to do, that can reduce overhead, that can reduce the amount of resources that you need to create the best possible experiences. Before I jump to our next topic here, I just want to highlight one thing you said is one aspect where I think is going to greatly expand the Sitecore community is, again, this open framework of additional programming languages and front-end technologies that are going to be a bit agnostic to the platform. So it's going to be much easier for organizations to adopt and adapt to Cycle, which is great to see. But you know, we've talked a lot about what the platform has to offer. I'm interested in something a little bit specific. So do you have a specific use case where a client of yours leverages Sitecore particularly well? Yeah, well, I've, you know, lots of them, but I've got a university client and that university client is used to having a very simple CMS and kind of low expectation for what a CMS should do for the organization. And over a two-year period, we've been able to get them to really take the crawl, walk, run approach. We know that it takes people, process, and technology to have success, but we started small with them. And we chose uh, one of the schools in the university, a very important school in the university, to roll out the Sitecore platform, to add that personalization, to give the marketers tools that they'd never have had before to try to drive more of the acceptance of that brand, if you will. And in the end, for an educator, it's about attracting the best possible student to your organization because that just you know goes to the larger, it feeds on itself. You've got the best students, you've got the best curriculum, you've got the best um, graduates that go into society and contribute to society, have great jobs, right? So they started looking at their digital experience differently. And then what's happened is, is that we've now had three other schools in the university roll onto the platform. That idea that Sitecore is a truly multi-tenant platform. They bought one subscription license and uh, hosted it in our uh, Sitecore Managed Cloud, which is Azure-based. And then they slowly started rolling on other schools. And we're moving towards getting to the main university site. And that is something that they're excited about doing. And then now it's all about, okay, Content Hub is something that we know that we have to purchase. So let's talk about that. There isn't a lot of a commerce play in this particular uh, example, but it is an example of an organization that really needed to take it slow and at their own pace and drive towards the successful outcomes that they have been able to actually achieve and realize. That's a really good point, especially for the listeners here, right? Especially if an organization isn't on Sitecore now, you don't have to go all in all up front. You can do an MVP type approach where, hey, let's onboard one of our product units. And this reminds us, reminds me of a client that we share, Brian, a large CPG company that has 80 sites on Sitecore, has been at it for 10 years. They use Sitecore to basically onboard new business units and new business ventures. And they gradually do it, right? Show some success in one area, gradually onboard it in another and the nice thing is with your new acquisitions here, right, they're experienced platform users. Now if they're looking for a digital asset management solution, they can simply 
add that onto their stack, use it for Sitecore, or use it for one of their other platforms that they might be using internally. So I think that's a huge advantage of the approach you have gone. And now even a legacy client or a new client doesn't have to use all of them all at once. They can gradually onboard themselves, which I think is a huge advantage. You mentioned a little bit earlier about how the demographics have been changing and just really the acceleration as well has changed in the past one and a half years. I couldn't agree more. Specifically talking, what are you seeing as some of the new use cases organizations are coming to Sitecore with? A lot of it is around commerce. As you might imagine, a lot of these organizations, especially manufacturers, did not see the need to change the way they did business. They would tell me, hey, Brian, I like you. I like your stuff. But I take them to a Blackhawks game. I take them to Gibson's. I shake their hand. They slap my back. I get the business. And so it was very difficult to get them to see the value of an investment like this. Obviously, all of that has changed. And now we're looking at organizations trying to figure out how can they create the best possible commerce experiences for their B2B world. And one of the things that uh, you know, we have experienced commerce, which is a existing technology that is really more akin to the sort of traditional stack idea, uh, as opposed to 451 and order cloud, which now gives us the ability to truly componentize the experience and decide exactly how they want to allow the customer to define exactly how they want to interact with the various audiences and stakeholders that they have. So we have multiple large retailers. Actually, let's go to franchisees because franchisees is a great example. You've got the mothership, right? So you've got the brand, whatever it might be, and then you've got the individual franchisees. The mothership themselves, they need to buy certain things and sell certain things back and forth. Sometimes it's to the franchisees themselves. Sometimes it's from third parties, the franchisees. They, too, have the need to go out and buy various products from different sources. And that was a very disjointed process in the past. Now they would have the ability to create unique experiences for each one of the audiences and create efficiencies that they never imagined before. So I think that that is one great example. Commerce, uh, as I mentioned earlier, $20 billion total addressable market that now is achievable by 2025 instead of 2030. Expanding upon the B2B example you gave, I think the other thing I'm, I've been seeing myself is just the addition and just onboarding more of self-service and logged in portal states, right? A lot of organizations, as you mentioned, relied on that face-to-face or even they had public-facing websites and they relied on kind of that implicit touch unknown. We don't exactly know who you are, but we're going to make a best guess. That market has quickly shifted to now the explicit side. Log in, we know exactly who you are, and we're going to service exactly who you are with what we have. So I definitely think your platform, XP, and now that you've addressed another um, aspect of your tech stack with additional marketing automation, I definitely think that's going to be a huge component that Cycro clients and future Cycro clients can definitely take advantage of. Definitely this kind of logged in self-service state. No, I agree wholeheartedly. The ability of our customers going forward as we start to roll out the acquisitions in an integrated fashion is going to present potential. It's going to be aspirational. It's going to be really going to require them to think differently about what they want to achieve because now we're giving them a toolbox that's so much more flexible to achieve those goals. And that's a really good transition into the next thing I wanted to discuss with you, Brian. Who might be listening today could be legacy Sycor customers. They could have been on your platform for six plus years, right? So they're maybe on that older monolithic platform, not calling Sycor monolithic, but you know what I'm getting at. Yep. They could be on-premise, you know, and they're considering, all right, should I upgrade? They might have not even seen a recent demo of Sycor. You know, what advice would you give to them or 
what would be some reasons why they should upgrade their Sitecore solution? Yeah, I've got uh, multiple legacy customers that I'm responsible for, and it's been very, very difficult for them. They're large, large organizations that have a very difficult time turning the ship. And they also, maybe they had some experience with Sitecore back in the 6.x or the 7.x days when you upgraded, it was a pretty heavy lift. And in some cases, it left a bad taste, depending on who your partner was. Of course, if your partner was American Eagle, you never had any problems. But nonetheless, I do have some customers that have some you know residual bad feelings because of the way things went and felt kind of stuck that they had to stay with the platform. And what I would say to them is that whether you're a customer that's bought in the last couple of years and you got sort of the more modern version, easier to upgrade, or you're a legacy customer, I would ask that you have patience, that you stick with us, that you wait and see what happens here over the next three, four months and the go-to-market messaging that we're going to be bringing. I've been told that we're down the line on integrating these different tool sets that we purchased. I don't know what that means. I haven't seen anything myself, but you got to think that we're preaching agility we're preaching flexibility and that if we are not practicing that, then that's going to be a problem. Really, in the end, sit down and think about the goals you want to achieve, the experiences that you want to provide on what channels, and then come to us and say, this is what we're trying to do because we have never had a more amazing bag of technology to bring to the party and help you understand it. And quite frankly, I am really excited for the larger community and the analyst community to get a feel for what we're doing. Because right now, it seems a little nebulous, it's hard to define, and that's because we haven't really gone to market to define it. What's going to happen here is we're going to start integrating these things and integrating them not in the Frankenstack sense, because on the back end side of things, we have SaaS platforms. As far as the root code, it's much more pliable and is much more compatible than back in the old days. So what we're going to be able to build going forward is going to be special. How we're going to be able to take our customers that are on experience platform today and then over the next three to five years, get them to that next stage is going to be, I think, remarkable. It's an exciting time to be at Sitecore. I'm all about telling stories, quite frankly, Jonathan, but they're stories about how I can solve some of the most important problems for my customers. In the end, it's what the board tells the C-suite, tells the business that they want to accomplish. How can I align my story about my organization and our capabilities with those goals? And then how are they going to measure that success? And setting it up at the beginning to say, here's what we believe through talking to you and looking at the larger landscape, the problems are, here's how we think we can solve them, and here's how we're going to measure that success. And that's how we're going to not sneak up on, but I think that's how we're going to show the larger community why we are different. A couple things I want to extract from that. I think you hit the nail on the head, right? The first question people should be asking, especially if they're on an older version of Sitecore, is, you know, what are the business needs at this point? What are the outcomes we're trying to achieve? Because I feel like some of the legacy clients say, oh, we have to upgrade. That's not always the route to go, right? Especially with a lot of the new technologies you have, a fresh stand-up, a fresh build is... Honestly, if they're on, especially in the six or seven series, like you mentioned, Brian, might be the better way to go. And it actually might be less of a level of effort as well. And it gets them up on the latest and greatest and gives them a lot of, I'll say, future agility. So a lot of good points there. I appreciate that. To wrap up today, Brian, you've shared a lot of great information on where the platform is and where you're likely heading. Is there anything else you can share about Sitecore's next steps heading into the rest of 2021 and your next fiscal? Sure. I'm going to go back to this concept of uh, composable 
DXP strategy. I was doing some research on this. This is a mantra of our new CEO, Steve Tsakis. I always have a tough time uh, pronouncing his last name, but Steve T. Just let's go with Steve T. Uh, he's a great guy. He's a visionary. He has a lot of experience helping driving success for large organizations. And now he's at the helm and we couldn't be more excited about it. But you know, when we think about composable, right? So composable is not just DXP. Composable is a larger construct or concept that we're going to hear a lot more about as we move forward, as we move away from the monolithic and we move to the composable, right? So a couple of stats from Gartner. By 2023, 60% of mainstream organizations will list composable business as a strategic objective and will use an increasing number of packaged business capabilities, PBCs. So that's another acronym to add to the alphabet soup, but you're going to be hearing a lot about PBCs. Another stat, by 2023, 60% of organizations will seek composability in new applications investment. And another is that by 2023, organizations that have adopted an intelligent, composable approach will outpace competition by 80% in the speed of new feature implementation. This is really groundbreaking stuff. This is a paradigm shift, as they like to say, in how organizations will approach applications, how they approach software. Software is unbelievably powerful, but software oftentimes fails. And you get a lot of people that get some value out of it, but then they're trying to weigh, how about, you know, what's good and what's bad? And is the ratio enough for me to keep on moving forward? So if you use that as a foundational argument for where we're going and why we should be going this way, by buying these tools and integrating them into our tool set, modifying what had been a 20-year-old you know, code base to be part of a larger, modern, composable, SaaS-based technology stack, that really is the future of Sitecore. And we couldn't be any more excited about what the future will bring. It's definitely very interesting watching some of your competitors and other major players in just the digital space over the past, I'll say, two to four years, just going through, I'll say, an acquisition frenzy. And Sitecore has kind of you know, stayed put, held their ground, stuck to what they're great at. And now you guys are in a position to not having done, jumped out too far ahead. You're now in a position to be in that composable stack, which is extremely interesting. So definitely, I'll say, a large advantage for you guys to be agile in the future. Brian? Great conversation today. We covered a lot of very exciting topics. I, for one, am extremely excited to see how the platform grows and adapts this next year in particular. I greatly appreciate your time today, and thanks for swinging by the Cycle Water Cooler to discuss your experiences. We hope to have you on again soon. Thanks, JP. Really appreciate it. Thanks again to Brian Plant from Cycor for joining us today on the Cycor Water Cooler podcast, a casual conversation between colleagues and peers centered around all things Cycor. I'm your host, John Price, and until the next time we meet at the Water Cooler, be sure to subscribe to the Sitecore Water Cooler podcast today, wherever you find your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios, with special thanks to executive producers Renee Nelson and Julia Klepich.